Welcome to Remotely Creative, a RimCAD podcast where we talk to artists, designers, and wildcards about how they're surviving in the era of COVID-19 isolation. I'm your host, Rob Flattery. Nathan Brown is here today. Primarily painting large-scale public art, Nathan has produced numerous commission murals for brands like Red Bull, Patagonia, Spotify, and more. Nathan Brown, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, man, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's, thank you so much. Yeah, we've known each other. I want to say '96. It was '96. Yeah. It was. What did I do? I'm because I you met Barry um, through a girl named Courtney that I did a flyer for. Yeah, you were going to skate, skate shop. Yeah, well, I used to run. Uh, what was it Cumberland Transit Skate Shop? Yeah, and it's like you know, mom and pop outdoor gear shop. And but I mean, it was through. I think it was definitely through Barry. I guess. Oh yeah, totally. And I'd done like a design a flyer for him or something like that last minute. And then I was like heading out of town for a skate trip and y'all threw a big rave party while I was out of town. And I think when I got back into town, we like me and Barry linked up and then, yeah, I mean, that was, I met all of you guys. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the back in the nineties. Crazy. It's I, yeah, I remember having a pager and all those things and oh yeah, kids these days don't have that. No, they don't even know what pagers are. I remember throwing mine out the window because I was tired of people paging me and I didn't have enough quarters. <laughs> yep. And I couldn't find a phone. And I just remember throwing my pager out the window. <laughs> Probably the smartest thing you ever did. <laughs> and then nobody, then pagers were done. So it was, yeah, it was I, good timing. I, I remember once getting paged and um, got, got beeped and went and pulled my car in to use the pay phone that you pulled up to went yeah. to stick the quarter in, dropped the quarter and couldn't get my door open. So I backed up and took my mirror off. Like that is, <laughs> that is the explanation of having a pager. It just, it takes your, takes your whole life away. It takes your whole going. life away. It's, it's, it's expensive. Exactly. Um, man, that's crazy. Yeah. So 96, that's wow. That's sometimes when I graduated high school. Yep. Me too. Wow. We're, um, we're not old, but we're not young. Exactly. We're, in, we're, I'm Good. just right. I'm just right. Seasoned. Exactly. <laughs> nice and marinated. Yeah. So you're back in Nashville. What's going on in Nashville? It's, it's crazy. It has changed since oh, I've lived there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Hot so chicken's away, a thing. You moved away, what, 10 years ago? Uh, 12. 12. Okay. That's right. Well, the, the city's probably quadrupled in size since then. Actually, just in the past few years, it seems like it's doubled. Uh, immensely. I mean, it's, uh, it's a totally different city. Um, I was actually gone in Europe. I, I lived in Budapest all last year. And just being gone that one year, coming back here, it seems like a whole new city. So I couldn't imagine like if you were to like move back here after being gone for 10 years or hadn't visited in 10 years. It's, it's a whole new city. We have like, I mean, the downtown has quadrupled the size. There's whole new parts of towns with, with town of, with like new names. There's like WeHo's and Sobro's and Pie Towns and you name it, um, which is just all happened in like the past few years. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's blown up, I guess. Yeah, I'll come like once or twice a, a year back to Tennessee and yeah. that's about it. And it, I just don't recognize it anymore. So yeah. do, you, do you have family here? Um, my, my parents just moved to Florida last year. Um, okay. So they, they still have their house there. And then, uh, Shelly, my wife, um, her family's still there. So, okay, cool. cool. So we're there for Christmas, you yep. know, 
that's, yeah, yeah. that's about it. Um, and funerals, funerals and babies. That, that's when I come back. Uh, Same. Yeah. yeah. I just have like my brother and sister-in-law live here, but I, no, none of my family lives here anymore. Okay. So they're all out in Oklahoma and some in California. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So I'm just here kind of like temporarily. Um, okay. Since I do it, like I had, a, I, I was living in Europe all last year and I came, like I had like a year solid as far as like time I was able to be there. And I just kind of came back here to sort of like regroup and then, I don't know. Figure out the next step. Yeah. I mean, what were, you, uh, what were you doing in Europe? So I had an artist residency in Budapest um, and I wanted to just live in Europe. I knew I could live in Budapest for pretty cheap. It was centrally located in Europe. Um, it just seemed like an interesting city. I had a few connections there. And then I got offered this residency at this beautiful studio space. Um, and I just was like, yeah, I sold my house, sold most of the stuff in it and was kind of prepared to be in Europe for about five years, if not longer. And the goal was to be in like Hungary, Budapest as like a jump off point, do an artist residency, kind of like get residency in the EU, mm -hmm. um, which ended up being impossible <laughs> being self-employed. Right. And then I was going to move to Spain, which I'd already kind of like researched and sought out and kind of like set some stuff up. But in the end, Hungary is a very tough country. Um, it's got its own rules. And I pretty much got nowhere with like the residency stuff. And I ended up having to like leave every 90 days just oh, to like uh, do the in and out <laughs> passport uh, stuff. And but it, it worked out fine. I mean, I just wasn't able to like legally work there. So I flew back to the, to the States a handful of times for you know, some good sized projects. Um, like Patagonia flew me out, Top oh, Golf flew me out. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, I made it work and it was, I would, I would do it all again. It was great. Um, but the cool. main thing was an artist residency. And then I, I ended up painting murals all over, all over Europe. Um, I just would grab an opportunity. There's a lot of street art festivals there and mural festivals. And just, you know, the arts in general, I just wanted to just soak it all up and dive into it and learn from some people that have been, you know, you know, that's been their livelihood forever. And uh, basically just learn and educate myself and dive into, you know, the world of the arts of Europe that I've been looking up to since I can remember. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you got your start, like, I remember you skateboarding. You were, were you oh, yeah. pro? No, I was like, Amateur? I was like, I was fully sponsored. Okay. I was like a sponsored am, I guess you'd say. I wasn't pro, I didn't have my name on anything. Okay. Um, but I got tons of product every month. I was touring, I was doing photo shoots and videos and I was in some like video magazines. And I mean, I was on MTV sports, uh, you know, a whole segment on there. And I got to do a lot with that. And it was, that was literally based off necessity because I kind of grew up a little poor Yeah. and I couldn't afford skateboards because I broke them every week. And if I wanted to skateboard, I was like, I got to figure out how to get sponsored. So it was, yeah, I mean, I, I got sponsored at like 17 from a local shop in Nashville and then just kind of grew on that. And I ended up being sponsored by like some of my favorite companies and got to like, you know, being videos with some of my favorite skaters, you know, people that I looked up to and, you know, they were like you know, gods to me back then. And I got to be on the same team as them and uh, got to, it was like a full on career for, I don't know, three or four years. I think I got away with not even having to have a job, and, <laughs> which was like, amazing i felt so lucky especially being in nashville yeah i did have to travel a lot i spent a lot of time on the east coast and you know i would link up with filmers all over the east coast and just get 
as we say now, content. Mm -hmm. And uh, for videos and try and get in as many like photo shoots and, and do all the things just to kind of keep up with that. And it's, you know, it's, I, I had a blast. It was amazing. I'm very thankful I got to do that. And I've got all the footage and video to prove it. Nice. <laughs> For when nice. I'm a grandpa or something. And, <laughs> yeah, you, you got to digitize all that. Put it on, put it on yeah. your website. I've got a little minute clip of like some, some greatest hits and stuff like that. Nice. And there's some stuff out there that I'll probably never ever be able to find. But, you know, it's, it's out there. I'm about to say, you'd be surprised. It's there. It exists. It's somewhere. Somebody's got it somewhere. Probably put it online and who knows. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the skateboarding community, it's, it's a strong community. I, I kind of feel that it's very similar to the art community. Yeah. I mean, with skateboarding, I think skateboarding was sort of the, the, the jump off that led me to everything I'm doing now. You know, music and you know, graffiti and painting and art and everything. It was, it was a good outlet coming. Like I, I was born in Los Angeles or actually Orange County and grew up in Los Angeles. But I moved to Nashville when I was around 11 years old. Okay. So growing up around like such an incredible amount of culture, you know, skateboarding and graffiti and murals and like all these different people from everywhere. And, and then coming to Nashville, especially back then, it was a major culture shock. And I went from like seeing all this beautiful stuff and like all this culture and like, it was just everywhere. I didn't even think about it at the time, but when I moved here, all I missed all of that stuff totally. so much that I was like, I'll do anything to be a part of that and bring that here and, you know, kind of like create a culture of it. Um, Cause you know, at that point when I was 11, 12, I didn't know any other skateboarders here. I never saw it. I got made fun of for doing it. I never saw graffiti anywhere. You know, I didn't see any murals anywhere or any of that stuff that I grew up seeing. And, and, you know, I didn't see a lot of cultural stuff that I grew up around as well. And so I, I started skateboarding and just, you know, buying stuff out of like the skate magazines and having mm -hmm. stuff shipped. And, you know, when you had to do catalog type stuff and, oh yeah, and just dove into it. It was like my own little world. And it was my own little sport that I could do at any time. And, but that kind of like that kind of creativity and just like wanting to sort of like hone in on a culture that didn't really exist at the time in Nashville, that literally led me to everything else I've done in my life. Totally. I, I feel the same way. And this was pre-internet days. So yeah. you, you skimmed the skate magazines and catalogs in the back and you sent uh, money orders or what was it? COD. Dude, CODs and money orders, like sending checks to people that had some little skate company i'm dude check this out one of the one time i think it was like 1992 um i sent off a little self-addressed stamped envelope to this dude named uh obey <laughs> or andre has a posse yep. i don't even know if it was like i don't even know it wasn't if he obey the then it wasn't yeah. obey then it was just this dude that had a little ad from rhode island in the back of a slap magazine and i was like cool i want some stickers those are cool i like andre the giant and i sent this dude a dollar and like a self-addressed stamped envelope and I get all these stickers back and it was Shepard Ferry. Yep. And I wish I still had those stickers to this day, <laughs> but yeah, it was those little things. It was like, you know, there's a skate company in like Iowa or like some little whatever company in a little podunk town. I was like, I thought that was really cool that you had to like seek those things out and like blindly send people money and you get these like awesome products in the mail that you hadn't really seen before or, you know, knew much about. And it was like the mystery of that was so cool. Yeah, there was there was nowhere in 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 Tennessee to really 
absorb that stuff. I mean, no, no. like I remember music, you know, I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan um, yeah. and they released the, the broken movie, but it wasn't released. And I ended up like getting a copy from a guy at a record store. Like he was like, hey, I'll dub you one, come back next week. And it's like a third generation copy of a copy of a copy. And it's <laughs> like, I had this thing and I watched it. And no one knew it existed because, yeah. you know, it was, there wasn't the internet. And if you literally had that physical product, that's like, I have this, you know, yep. like, there's, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, we could talk about like, oh, you know, the good old better, days <laughs> in the old days, but it, it there's something I, I loved about the mystery of waiting for something to come in the mail or just getting film developed or mm -hmm. going and digging for that record. Like all those things that we grew up doing, like, I'm so appreciative that like I was old enough to be doing those things at that time that I can, you know, like to be able to like kind of keep up with the times and go from, yeah, analog to digital and still like understand all of that. And appreciate all of it as well and but yeah dude the mystery of like ordering stuff through catalog or like going through skate magazines and and then there was like i remember like there was ads for like kid rock as a dj in like thrasher magazine he was like a big popular hip-hop dj and you're like you know and then nobody knows that you know i he, I, I know exactly what you're talking about i remember Sadly saying, enough. this dude and there was no country anything about it. he's like this detroit dj so it's like those things that like were so mysterious and like, I don't know, those things kind of kept me alive, you know, when I was like trying to find other people that skated and, you know, a handful of years later, like probably about 94, 95, there were, I started, you know, meeting skateboarders around town. We had like, and one of the best skate spots in the country is in downtown Nashville. Mm -hmm. And still it's not a mystery, but you know, there's some like, pro teams that have come through over the years but it's still like one of those places that's a, a total hidden gem and it was just like a meeting spot for people that skated from all over like the region you know from like alabama memphis knoxville would all come through nashville to skate and film and so i started meeting skaters and it kind of like it was like okay you know i can i can live in this city and I can do some good work and we did our best to film and like put together these little videos and send them out to sponsors and you know, trying to get a little bit of that California or that little bit of New York to, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, I started getting like sponsor packages and flowed from like Zoo York and, you know, companies like that and just kind of built on all of it so I could, you know, really, really do it and focus on it for a long time. And, and through that, you know, I got to travel and because of traveling, you know, I, I, I always noticed graffiti, but I really started noticing arts in other cities that were doing it right or had mural programs like Philadelphia and and when I was on the East Coast, it's very prevalent, you know, all around there. And that was just something that it just clicked in my brain. I was like, I kind of want to do graffiti. And I started like meeting artists that skated as well. And it was one of those meshing sort of like hand in hand sort of thing where it was like, I would be around all these skaters that I probably wouldn't hang out with outside of skating because we all did these different things. Right. Um, but a lot of more artists in some respect, you know, and you know, I met a lot of art school kids, but also there was like these hardcore graffiti artists that just happened to skate as well that had nothing to do with like regular art. And it was all just fascinating. We all came together for one thing, skateboarding, and had a blast, cheered each other on, worked with each other. And then when we'd leave, it wasn't like we really hung out for the most part, or a lot of us didn't, but I started like kind of getting interested in graffiti and there was a lot of kids that did that in that world. And yeah, through travels, I would meet 
kids with different graffiti backgrounds and different art backgrounds. And it was just fascinating to me. So it was like, you know, skateboarding led to travel, travel led to like meeting people that led to a vast array of like alternative arts and graffiti and whatever. And, you know, from there, just like I said, skateboarding literally has done everything for me. It led me to everything. All my friends that were like the skaters or even graffiti writers back in the day or just weird artists are now, now like creative directors for big companies. Like one of my friends was like creative director for Kid Robot for a long time. It was some dude I grew up with skateboarding. The Kid Robot, like, was, was he here? No, his, he was up in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, there's an office in Boulder. So. Oh, really? Yeah. This is like, was, yeah, I don't know he hasn't been there for a while, but it was just like, a, there's a lot of those scenarios. That I was like, these kids I grew up with, like, no direction, but had skateboarding and had art. They're now like these really successful people. I mean, a few of the kids I grew up, they were kind of skateboarders, but they were more into graffiti. Two of them are now some of the most sought after, like, most popular and well respected not only graffiti arts, but street artists in the world. And they came out of here, which is crazy. Uh, one of them, you know, sued, I think, H&M recently. <laughs> nice. Uh, you For know you're famous when you sue H&M, so, when H&M steals your stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, like, Nashville was, like, in the 90s and late 90s, as you know, like, we were, like, it was a big rave culture, a big, mm -hmm. like, music culture, all you know, like, underground music culture here that doesn't exist now we would throw these crazy parties with DJs that would come from all over the region from, you know, Chicago, obviously, Indianapolis, Memphis, Atlanta. And it was like this weird hub of like that, like, you know, we had this crazy underground rave culture and, and obviously all these amazing buildings that don't exist anymore either that we would rent for like a couple hundred bucks a night. And, and, and now you know, they're, they're filming, uh, what, what's the, uh, not antique roadshow. What's the, uh, at marathon. Oh, um, oh there's a, uh, and the pickers american pickers american pickers actually yeah, yeah. mike wolf um yeah so there's it's there was a time where like all these like cultures kind of like you know gathered like graffiti artists and all these like crazy skateboarders and it kind of fueled like everybody left all these like people that were into all these things that are you know considered alternative or, or whatever all pretty much left nashville for the most part because they like felt i think they felt like they developed enough here but there wasn't enough here to offer anybody. So yeah, we totally. all went to Atlanta, LA, Denver, Chicago, you know, Florida, Miami. And, you know, now some of those, like I said, a lot of those people are very successful in their, you know, whatever they got into. And, but there was like that time in like the mid to late nineties where it's just like this massive hub here in Nashville that I tell people about and they're like, what? You used to take over the entire marathon village for a rave party that was, gray area-ish legal. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the whole building was gray area. <laughs> yeah, there was like squatters that lived there and stuff. Yep. It was half abandoned and, you know, there, I don't know. It was a special time here and I'm so thankful that I, I moved here then. And like, if I, I think if I grew up in LA, yeah, I might've gotten into skateboarding, maybe into art, but it was just so saturated and everywhere that it was probably just another thing. And yeah, man, I, I owe it all to skateboarding and also moving across the across the country to a yeah. town at the time <laughs> no i i totally that whole experience late 90s um you know tennessee nashville that whole thing i i owe a lot of that to where i am today i mean oh yeah that's that's where i got you know really into graphic design and that's what kind of propelled me 
um, throughout because in high school, no one knew what graphic design was. Nobody told uh, me. So yeah, we uh, barely had computers. <laughs> yeah, we had one. We had like one yeah. Mac. Yeah, um, same. We, I remember like I was dating this girl that lived in Green Hills and she's very, very wealthy. And she had, she was the first one to have internet in like 95, I think it was. Oh. And like all of us gathered at her house, like this big, like, you know, office, you know, at her, you know, her dad's office. And like, we logged on to the internet the first time. We're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like, like you set like a movie theater, like 12 people around. Oh yeah. No, there was like, I remember like, that. Like 15 of us. Yeah. And we logged onto the internet and we didn't even like, we didn't even know what it was. We we're like, what is this? And I don't think I even had a computer at the house at that point. I remember getting like, I was like, we have to get a computer now. I need this internet. <laughs> you know, I threw my pager out the window and I was like, I'm getting a computer now. Dial up. Dial That's up, man. I remember living like early days of dial up when I first had like roommates, you know, moving down to Atlanta for school mm -hmm. that I went to for a semester. I went to Art Institute of Atlanta for a semester. Okay. And that's now um, SCAD. Um, yeah, yeah. Atlanta. I mean, yeah, I have some horror stories of that first semester, but. I've been to that campus. It, it was the old campus that was in Buckhead. Oh, okay. I've been to and that campus too. it was across too. the street from Lenox Mall. And I remember like housing was like 10 miles away and I had to ride the bus. Like I had to take like five buses to get there and then take a train. It was crazy. I remember I went there for one semester and I didn't learn anything and I was paying for it out of my own pocket. Like I had raised a bunch of money doing selling artwork and whatever else and did a bunch of odd jobs for a summer. And I got through my first semester. I was kind of pissed because I didn't learn anything. I had subs a lot that first semester and then signed up for all my second semester classes. And I started going to those classes. And then I found, I get a notice on my like dorm door saying I had 48 hours to evacuate. And I went to my dean. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why do I have to get out of, you know, why do I have to leave, leave my apartment? They're like, well, you haven't been showing up to your classes. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've gone to all all my classes and I showed them my schedule and they're like, Oh, we gave you the wrong courses. You weren't supposed to be in any of those courses. I was like, okay. Well, I was like, well, I've been there for half a semester, like done a bunch of work. A lot of them were subs. There was like not, it wasn't a ton of work, but it was, I don't know. It was weird. There was a lot of uh, lag. And so they're like, well, we, you can't go the rest of the semester. You can start back in spring though, if you want, but this one's not going to really count. And we're still going to charge you half this. And I'm going to charge you, right? I just like, I quit. Sorry. And I'm going to get most of my money back. And that was my experience. They basically didn't have me in the system. And they like signed me up for all the wrong classes. So yeah, long story short, I quit. And then school. they fixed the error. <laughs> yeah, they got some money from me. And that was yep. about it. And then I quit. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Uh, that was my, that was my art school experience. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember what, uh, 2006, 2007, you were doing a lot of paintings, mm -hmm. uh, like small canvases. Um, yeah, I was, you know, graffiti was always there. Like, I mean, I have a big background in graffiti. I was painting trains when I was in, you know, high school and a little after high school. And, you know, race, I was a tagger race, race one, <laughs> yeah. one race. Um, it was a positive thing, you yeah. know, especially growing up through rave culture and we had blur and blur all the you know positive vibes positive vibes and all that stuff it was it came out of that and i had a nickname when i was younger race came from my parents were actually going to name me race it was like a 70 i was born in the 70s so it was like a popular 
name in the seventies, you know, there's race Bannon from what Johnny quest, mm-hmm. or I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and I was the fastest runner in school oh. and I got that nickname and uh, I was just a fast kid and I got that nickname, but like I flipped it as, you know, everybody had like something one, like, you know, Duro one or whatever one, the only one. And, but mine meant one race. And nice. uh, yeah. Like um, yeah. I grew up doing graffiti, painting trains, tagging stuff I shouldn't have, you know, all that stuff. And I got in trouble a few times. I actually got a felony when I was 17 for painting trains. <laughs> it's federal property, but it obviously got dropped. I about to say that, that got taken away, right? That got taken away. So thankfully I was only 17 and yeah, I got a few slaps on the wrist and I was like, okay, I need to legitimize this if I want to keep painting. And it was always there. I kind of put it to the side. Cause like when I was, I moved to Atlanta right after high school and had a few stints with some, some college and I started a uh, kind of out of necessity because I was sort of on my own, you know, my mom was working hard and raising two kids and didn't really have any extra money to flow me as I was trying to go to school and I needed a job. And I met a dude that was, that had a street marketing company. And so we started a street marketing company, like my first semester Um, after going to art school, I started at Georgia state and my second semester, it was thriving. So I quit school second semester, uh, you know, from state, from Georgia state and for like the next eight, nine years of my life, I was running a street marketing company, um, promoting concerts, you know, new music releases from all the top labels. And it just kind of blew up and took over everything. And so art kind of played the background for quite a while. I was always painting stuff. I know mean, I would do a commission piece here and there. And, mm-hmm. But it was kind of, it, it, got, it got sent to the wayside. And, um, and uh, yeah, I was running a street marketing company and had clients like Live Nation and AEG Live and, you know, the Coachella Festival and every major record label out there. And uh, it was good. And then I, I ended up taking over the company fully. My partner, I bought him out and, and uh, ran it for like a handful of years myself. And I don't know, I just kind of got to a point where I was, I was working 24 seven. I was at, you know, fi- I promoted 500 shows a year on top of like, I started integrating promoting new brands and promoting, you know, launching new products for, you know, current big corporate brands and, you know, like Nestle and Cliff Bar and you name it. I mean, it was all over the place. Um, I was doing a lot of work with Adidas. Mm-hmm. Um, actually working with an agency out of Boulder and Denver, doing a lot of product launch work for Adidas. Um, it was a lot of like brand ambassador type work and PR stunts and, and you know, traditional street marketing, grassroots guerrilla marketing. Um, and it was really fun. I mean, we got to do a lot of really fun stuff that was fully alternative, you know, experiential marketing. And so that was my world for almost a decade. And you, and you, you sold that? You sold Yeah, that? around 2008, uh, close to 2009, uh, I got bought out. And, you know, I was like kind of burnt out at that point. I was working way too much and running a company myself. And, you know, I had some managers, but I was doing stuff in up to 20 markets at a time. And, you know, this is all from like trial and error, like learning yeah. stuff as I go. And it just, like I said, it like, it, it blew up pretty fast. And I learned a lot. I mean, like, I remember finding myself at a board meeting at Coca-Cola in downtown Atlanta, you know, it was like Fort Knox and like Emerald City getting in there. And I'd never worked with a big ad agency. And this is like early on, this is like a few years into running this company and, you know, kind of like developing it. I remember sitting there with like 40 people in a board, massive boardroom and 
they're using all this like I just got out of college advertising jargon and you know I've never left the office and you know I'm a media executive and using all this jargon and all these terms and I didn't know any of it I'd never been presented with all these crazy terms and cue for this and blah 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 and like you know synergy and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and I remember like writing all these like terms down and like being terrified and they wanted me to do this huge campaign that was nationwide and it was a full-on gray area slightly illegal like poster campaign campaign for sprite and i ended up hiring like every graffiti writer i knew to do this like big like wheat pasting poster campaign in 20 cities and i got away with all of it there was a few guns pulled on people type deal oh geez i mean you're out there on the streets putting up posters and it's like a it's street marketing so it was like hardcore street marketing but from one of the biggest companies in the world but yeah, being in situations like that where I didn't understand what anybody was saying, I would go back and research all those words and phrases and jargon. And then that's kind of how I had to learn everything. And then but, now you know them. Now uh, never, yeah, I mean, I learned everything the hard way. And I still like, I have no book smarts. I didn't go to college for any of it. And, you know, I feel fortunate that I got pushed in situations to learn things quickly. And I think, honestly, skateboarding gave me those quick wits of how to make decisions quickly so I don't kill myself going down a handrail. And I feel like my street smarts had a lot to do with me kind of falling into a company like that. You know, I knew like I was in the mix of like all these like punk rock scenes, hip hop scenes, skateboard scenes, art scenes, and like all those countercultures really helped me um, do very genuine and like very authentic sort of street marketing where you know, traditionally people, you know, companies push products and things down people's throats or companies, you know, you know, we were getting into like that social media and digital age through the midst of like me running this company. And I don't know, traditional marketing has always been there. Mm -hmm. Flyering for shows has always been there and putting up posters has always been there. Those like traditional things I don't think will ever go away. And I think like those, I don't know, I learned a lot, you know, like when I was skateboarding in a bunch of different cities, I would you know, I made sure like I skated everywhere and walked everywhere because you see everything and you really get to see and feel a city that way and see all those like little nuances that you don't when you're driving around a car or like on the train or, or whatever. And I don't know, like I said, man, skateboarding kind of like gave, like set me up to do all the things I do now. And it definitely set me up for running a street marketing company and having, having like all those like connections to, countercultures that I could reach for, you know, to promote a show. Like if I had all these punk shows coming through Atlanta or Birmingham or Nashville, I knew who to go, go, go talk to. And also I got to hire a lot of friends right. in those worlds that, you know, you don't make money from skateboarding really, or like doing art, you know, especially back then. And I was able to hire a lot of friends and give them really cool, fun work and pay them well. So they could do those things that they love doing. And so it was like, it was win-win for me even though it was like I was working 9am to 2am every day and I was out every night, you know, which can be dangerous, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it just, you know, it definitely caught up with me and I was ready. Like after like eight or nine years of that, I was like, okay, I need to do something different. I've reached kind of the pinnacle with what I can do with this company. And I was, it was in a good spot to where I could hand it off to, to somebody else to hand it off to another company. And, you know, sell it off and I could move on and sort of like regroup and refresh. And that's what put me in Denver in 2009.
Yeah, I remember when yeah. you moved moved out here, and I remember yeah. you just being like work, work, work all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, when I moved to Florida, we kind of caught up a little bit, and you were just like, "Yeah, I'm just painting. I'm cool. Everything's cool." <laughs> you just like you you definitely had a change of attitude after a few years. I, I think you know, I remember you being yeah. in Atlanta and just always working, always you know, Dude, hustling. Crazy. And then you're just like, yeah, I just paint and I skateboard and I hang out with <laughs> Yellow Wolf. I mean, you, you guys are good friends, right? Yeah, man. I actually just talked to him yesterday. We, yeah. It's crazy, man. We, he was the first skateboarder I met in Nashville. He actually lived in my neighborhood in Antioch, okay. where, I, where I partially grew up. And he was skateboarding down the street one day. And I was like, oh, holy <laughs> like another skateboarder. Someone exists. And he was, it was crazy. We had like a similar background where like he had moved from Alabama with his mom, you know, raised by a single mom. I got raised by a single mom, you know, both hardworking moms and like, you know, worked nonstop to take care of, you know, you know, the family. And so it was like, we had this skateboarding outlet and we clicked immediately. And it was crazy. Like we would go out and film. We actually, he, a lot of footage I have from back then was, you know, him filming me. I actually just bought a high eight camera so oh, I could nice. go through a lot of my old tapes. Cause he hit me up the other day. He was like, dude, Cause he's been skateboarding a ton and we're both yeah. you know, in our forties. He's been skating a lot lately and kind of been bringing that back. And he's like, dude, can you find that footage? He's got like these, these runs, these like filmed runs of like him skating handrails and all the stuff that I filmed. And so I bought a high camera last week to like go through that footage and try and find it. And I mean, we've known each other since 93 too. And we're still like really good friends. And we like went off like on our own, like I went off into like, marketing world and he like went off into being a very famous rapper and artist <laughs> musician worldly famous and it's crazy like both of our we've always been friends and always you know catch up and whatever and there's been a few years that have gone by where we didn't see each other but like we ended up like a few years ago i i produced a festival with him it's this american festival and we work together and it was like we trust each other we know each other we love each other we work so well together. We we know each other's cultures and, and upbringing and everything. So he hits me up one day and he's like, dude, I got an idea for a festival. I want to do this festival and I want to get like, you know, Marilyn Manson to headline. I was like, whoa, 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 chill, chill, chill. I was like, let's start small and work our way up. And we did. We had a conversation and within a few months we were doing a festival. That's awesome. And it was successful and we did it three more I ended up producing the first three and then I got busy with the mural stuff took over my life in the midst of all that and so I was like dude you gotta have somebody else do this and 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 it it's lived on and because of everything that's happened this past year I'm not sure what, what, what happened with that but you know there was one year that I remember we were on the phone with Danny Way you know the legend my idol growing up my nickname was D Way growing up as a skateboarder we were on a three-way call with him because we were going to do all these skate elements for the festival. And it's just one of those things where I was like, man, Wolf, you know, Danny way, like you partnered with him on a board for plan B and, and you're, you have Eminem on speed dial and like all these people that we grew up, you know, idolizing and like following. It's like, yeah, I've got to work with some amazing people, all these like crazy musicians and, and bands. And he's, working with people that we grew up listening to and grew up watching skateboarding. And we were just two dudes from Antioch. 
that was single moms and we skateboarded at necessity probably just to like blow off steam and have a creative outlet. And I swear that led both of us to where we are. And he's like my brother, man. And yeah, so Yellow Wolf, you know, thank you for everything. You know, thank you for just living in the same neighborhood as me and having a scenario that we're like, we're working together to, to this day and That's skateboarding awesome. to this day at our old age. <laughs> no, I, every time yeah, I see up. you post a video, you post something of you skating. I'm like, that is awesome. Cause that's how I met you. You know, yeah. you were skating then. And that was so many it's years crazy. ago. So I'm 43 years old and I'm skating with my best friend and we're like thriving and still loving it just as if we were 16 or 15 or whatever. That's um, awesome. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll skate until I can't walk. How about that? That's good. Well, I hope you can continue to walk and continue to Me skate. Too. Me too. So, all right, mural time. Yeah. Let's talk about that because that has been the focus of your life. You've done, how many have you done? Like 40 commissioned ones, 40 plus? And so around 2014, 15, I was playing, I had done like some free murals and I just wanted an outlet. Like I would, you know, slight backstory. I moved back to Nashville around 2009. I had a short stint in Denver. Had a great job. I was running the Gothic theater and whatever, I was doing music stuff. And, and my mom became ill. So I dropped everything in Denver, moved back to Nashville. And I was kind of like, it was right during the recession. And all of a sudden, I'm like jobless, taking care of my mom. And art has always been an outlet. So I was like, okay, I need to dive back in and have a creative outlet, taking care of my mom full time. There's no work anywhere. I don't have time to work at the moment. Art came back to my life hard. And it was my my outlet. And I started, I wanted to paint bigger pieces. I missed doing graffiti where you get to paint outside and paint as big as you want, do whatever you want. And so I did a few things like that. I asked a few building owners if I could come paint for free. And then one of my clients was um, Paps Blue Ribbon Beer. And somebody that worked there was like, hey, you did graffiti. You, we've seen some of your work. Can you paint this mural in this, in this venue? That's a new client of ours. I was like, yeah, what's up? And it was uh, the basement east. Okay. And I, I got to do this big interior mural there. That's obviously not there anymore because yep. it got torn down by a tornado. Um, and they paid me good money. It was like a thousand bucks or something. I was like, okay. I can make money doing this? I can do this and get paid. I got to figure this out. And so over the course of a few months, I was like, I reached out to all my old clients because I had this amazing network of you know brands you know entertainment companies you name it and so i just kind of dove into it and one by one i like from the pbr thing i got connections with bonnaroo festival that i had promoted earlier in the day early back in the day and and i ended up doing 30 installations um for bonnaroo in 2016 and then that turned into you know I think it's been 60 plus like large scale murals commissions okay. since then and all over the world. I mean, like I said, I was in Europe all last year and I got to paint in countries and cities that I'd never thought I would go to or didn't even know about. I mean, the craziest one was Kosovo in the very like bottom of Serbia. Yeah. I got invited to a street art festival that the city was funding to revitalize entire neighborhoods in Kosovo in the city of Pristina. And man, 
I mean, it's in deep Eastern Europe, the very bottom of Serbia. It's a province now. Kosovo is the province of Serbia. Um, and there was a lot of American ties there. So I think they found out that I was in Europe. There was this American that was in Budapest. What are you doing in Budapest? <laughs> you know, I think that was the common thing. It was like, what are you doing in Budapest? Um, but they reached out to me and, you know, flew me out there and put me up. And, and I got to work with a hundred artists from all over the world, taking over this massive section of Pristina, Kosovo. And when I tell you that was the most welcoming place I've ever been, I mean, everybody there spoke very, spoke English very well. It was so welcoming, beautiful city. There was like, you know, it's still like in some ruins, it's in a lot of rebuilding, but it, getting to do stuff like that, ah, man, and being able just to go paint and meet artists from Toronto, you know, New Zealand, Sacramento, you name it, a lot of artists I looked up to and revitalizing an entire portion of a city. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's led me to like, I mean, a full-time career, it's been five years of nothing but mural work. And I feel so thankful that I've, yeah, I went to go, I got to do the Europe stuff. I got to fly from Europe to the US to do some really cool jobs and make a living um, as an artist, you know, wanting to live in Europe and wanting to explore and educate myself more. And, and it's led to a lot of cool work, you know, interior pieces, big exterior pieces, pieces for big companies, pieces for individuals. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, I can only say that I'm so thankful and I feel lucky that I get to do this as a living at my age and got to quit an entire career to do it. And it's been very good. You know, I thought during like with COVID happening and being quarantined, I lost nine projects immediately. I thought I was gonna be on, a, on unemployment and jobless and having to go do a job that I didn't wanna do if there was one even available. Mm -hmm. And within two weeks, I started getting calls. I started getting emails and all the inquiries. And I've been nonstop busy through this entire quarantine COVID ordeal, busier than I've ever been. And it's been a lot of interior pieces for families, for homes, for- oh, really? Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of new construction, a lot of new hotel construction, a lot of development in Nashville and surrounding. Um, I haven't been able to go do anything outside of Nashville yet, but you know, my first piece I'm going to be doing in Monterey, California for what was going to be a mural festival is now going to be five different pairs of artists taking over an entire industrial area, revitalizing the whole area. It's a bunch of khaki buildings that, that need some love. And so those are starting to happen, happen again. And uh, yeah, I mean, I never thought in a million years I'd be painting full time, much less during this time doing totally. any commission artwork or making a living of any kind right now. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful, so grateful for every piece that I get to do and every challenge I have with this and every frustration I have with it and whatever it is, I, I can never complain about what I get to do, you know, and I don't care if I ever make a ton of money, as long as I'm able to do this for a living, that's like, that's amazing. And Hey, I get to go travel all, all over the West Coast next month. That's incredible. That's you know, awesome. On Wear, being a mask. Wear a mask. Oh, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's we've been quarantined. We've been so careful. We've done all the right things and you can only do so much. And, uh, you know, we're still living, but we're not going out to bars. We're not going out to clubs, any of that stupid stuff. And not going to Kid Rock's bar. That's that's I, I just saw that on, on the like I saw it on the yeah, national news. That's in. 
Nashville is, I mean, we've literally become a joke here as far as like the whole Broadway scene. I mean, honestly, and I'm not going to be one of those guys like, well, Nashville used to be so cool and whatever. It, it has become just a big party entertainment town. It's it like is the bachelorette very, party capital of the world, party, right? It is that. And especially when I was living in Europe, it was kind of like, it was a joke. You know, I love Nashville, but it's become, you know, from what people see not living here or being outside of here, it's it's somewhat one-dimensional, I guess. <laughs> we, are, we are known for the Broadway, for the, the bourbon whiskey bars and the karaoke bars and the bachelorette parties. And yeah. The pedal bikes, that stupid the pedal. pedal yeah, they're that called is the dumbest the thing. Roaches. It's it's become just a bad joke, and it. But it is, you know. I guess it's what Nashville wanted to be. They wanted a lot of tourists, and you know, we we have that. It's it's much more than that, obviously. But you know, it's a lot of you know, music city. A lot of entertainment people want to live here. A lot of musicians want to live here. A lot of people that just want to party. A lot of wealthy kids want to live here. It's fun. It's shiny. It's new. It's beautiful. It's uh, a lot of you know a lot of influencers live here. Influ influencers? Are you? You're an influencer. No, I've I'm seen. Not. I've seen your Instagram. Uh, I I do the bare minimum, and I I get to share my art. But you know, I I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that was a very run-on, long explanation of like the art moving forward from getting one opportunity to where I'm at now. And, and, and you know what, honestly, skateboarding came into play with that. It was like using my street smarts, uh, my connections, my network of people I've met throughout skateboarding and which throughout my art world and my street marketing world to sort of use my, also use my business parts of how to like actually make a living doing this. Uh, you know, it all comes into play and all like stems from skateboarding. Look at that circle back. Circle back. And no, man, I, you, you know, I've known you for a while. You're one of the most creative people I've known. Like I said, you were always hustling. It was nice to see you just kind of like, yeah, dude, I just do this now. I just paint, um, you know. <laughs> I'm an artist, bro. <laughs> no, it was, it was nice to see you kind of like calm down. Cause you, I don't want to say you're hyper, but you were just like always oh, doing something. Was in, I was insane for a while. It was, like I said, it was 24, seven, 365 for, for eight years. And it just, I just got to a point. I was like, I'm burning myself out. I can't, nobody can do this for this long, yeah. especially with like entertainment industry. It's already a burnout sport, if you may. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to that point and I needed to chill and enjoy life. Like it was crazy. I canceled three European vacations because I just didn't have time and I got sick of that. And so I made it to where I could go live in Europe for a while and not really worry about things and develop and, you know, develop my art and learn from others and, and, and take time to do those things I never had time to do. Awesome. And that's what I'm doing right now. Like I am using what I do for a living, whether I make good money or not to have the time. Cause time is literally everything to me. It is the most precious thing to me. I've had things that took a lot of my time. I've had things that took entire decades for me. And you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm in a good spot and I've been able to do a lot of cool work in many different fields and, and it's just, like I said, it's been out of necessity. It's like, I want to do that thing. I got to figure out how to do that thing. 
and do it right and do it, you know, responsibly and, you know, and also uplift other people. You know, when I'm in a good spot, I hire other people. Like when I have a good commission job and I, it's huge, it's a huge space or a huge wall, I make sure I hire my friends that are doing good work that I can rely on. It's with every career I've had, I've always hired my friends that I saw either a lot of potential in or have a good track record or people that I can trust. So along all those different careers, I've always been able to hire my friends. And that's, you know, hey, I hired, you know, one of our good friends to be my lawyer for a few things. Yep. Barry. Barry <laughs> G, man. Barney Gearden. Beardy it, was Gearden. Birthday. it was his birthday the other day. Happy birthday. Know, yeah, I'll hit him up. So, <laughs> Me too. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing. You know, all, what, all, what all our friends have gotten into and not gotten into that, I've been able to like, you know, hire those friends and work with those friends, you know, everybody from like the yellow wolf to whatever, to, to Barry, Bernie Gearden, <laughs> Barry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been incredible to kind of like look back on those things and start out, you know, doing these things at a young teenager that didn't know a damn thing that has a GED that still went to college a few times and, you know, didn't follow through with education, but, you know, got to run companies and do really fun work. I don't know. I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I, Nathan, you're, you're an inspiration. You're a creative person. You're one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I'm so glad, um, that, uh, you're, you're getting through this, this COVID time, but just in life, you seem like you've got it, you've got it figured out now. And, uh, I think so. I mean, it's a, it's a working work in progress and Awesome. So, so, good. so uh, what's your website? Shout out your website. It is www.1919ss19samsam.net. Don't do .com. I have no idea what that is. But <laughs> 19ss.net, which stands for 1977, which was when I was born. But it has my entire portfolio on there. It has case studies on all my work from all over the world. And uh, yeah, give you a good idea of what I do and what I've done. Nice. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time telling us your story. Thank uh, you. it, it's inspirational. And uh, I, I hope to talk to you very soon. You too. Thank you so much, man. It was great catching up with you. Thanks yeah. for this opportunity to catch up with you. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will talk to you soon, Nathan. Bye, man. Take care. Right. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. You can find links and images from today's guest on our website at remcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. Make sure you subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Neely Patton, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible.